wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for October 18, 2018. I am Graham Giusa Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And as I record this, I am mere hours away. From going to see Halloween Tonight in theaters for the first time in, what, 10, 15 years? I know they made a recent remake of the Halloween movie with Michael Myers, and I never saw it. I heard it was absolute garbage. So thankfully we're getting a remake, which I do have hope will be good. Now, I know the most recent Predator movie, in my opinion, was not amazing. It really kind of sucked, if we're being honest here. It was not a good movie. Venom, I thought, was good. I don't know, the last couple of months, just for me, in my opinion anyway, have not been great for movies. Predator, I thought, was really disappointing. Venom was was very good, a lot better than what critics said it was. Um, fans and viewers said it was really good, but critics panned it. It was awful. Um, there was that, Predator. What other movies have I seen? I honestly can't even remember. I saw Hellfest, not because I wanted to, just because I, a couple of friends went to go see it. I joined them. That movie sucked. Movie did not last two weeks at the movie theater I go to. That, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, um, especially in the month of October. But, um, yeah, it's not really been a great couple of months for movies. I'm hoping that turns around starting with Halloween this weekend. Um, there is a sneak peek showing tonight at the theater that I go to, so I'm hoping to check that out. Can't wait to go see it. Looks great. And honestly, I have hope it's going to be good, just based off the advertisement, the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Um, the same guy, I believe, who played Michael Myers in the original movie, if not movies. I don't know if it's the same guy or not. He will be back for this one, and... They have John Carpenter directing it. I think the same music, same everything, same set. Everything's going to feel a lot similar to the original, which I only really watched. I think I've seen it before. I had to have seen it before. But I recently rewatched it um, right after I saw Venom with a friend a couple of weeks ago. And it was good. I mean, it's basically what you would expect. It's not scary. It was revolutionary for the time that it came out just because, you know, like the jump scares and people get scared about stuff like that and whatever. And it's good story, good simple story, which I think... The film industry needs more of nowadays, and that's kind of the stuff that sells and not the same shit that we always fucking see in every fucking movie that comes out. But no, um, it was good. I'm looking forward to the remake that comes out tonight. But if it's anything like It that also came out last year, another recent remake where the hype was real, there was a lot of hype around It, and it delivered in spades. I thought the movie was terrific, and I'm not really a horror movie fan at all. I'll go watch thrillers. This was horror, but it wasn't like complete... You know, it wasn't all that scary. What like didn't have anything to do with apparitions. Really, just had to do about a murderer on the loose. That being it. And I know obviously the clown had a lot of magical powers and shit and whatever. I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. the The original was interesting, but um, it was not scary. I wouldn't say with Tim Curry, who I might be meeting at a comic con in a few weeks in um, Providence, Rhode Island. So I'm looking forward to maybe meeting him there. 
But anyway, um, yeah, no, it was good. I'm hoping Halloween is just as entertaining. It could be equally enjoyable if done right. It's a lot of, you know, the, the same can be said with a lot of what happens in WWE. The hype is real. There's a lot of good build. And sometimes we in our minds are really guilty of doing this ourselves where we kind of build something up in our minds to be way better than it has any right to be given their track record. I don't know what the track record is here. Of remakes, not too good. Um, when it comes to horror movies like this, not too good. I did not like the remake of Friday the 13th that came out 10 years ago, less than 10 years ago. I actually enjoyed the Friday the 13th. Did I say Friday the 13th? I meant Nightmare on Elm Street. The Friday the 13th remake that came out, I think, in 2009. I really enjoyed that one, actually. I liked that movie. That came out, I think, in 2009 or 2010. I'm going to say 2009. That movie I liked was not great by any means, but I enjoyed it. And I'm hoping Halloween is equally enjoyable, like I said. WWE, they get our hopes up a lot. I saw that a lot of fans got their hopes up on Tuesday for like a grand SmackDown set for SmackDown 1000. A lot of people were saying like they should bring back the fist. They should bring back the old school set. Well, to no one's surprise, they didn't. I saw a lot of people pissed off on Twitter like, people, you gotta know who we're dealing with here. The WWE has not gone all out for anything but WrestleMania in years. They stopped doing the unique special sets years ago for their regular pay-per-views. This wasn't even a pay-per-view. It was a special show. I don't remember a special set for Raw 25 outside of what they did at the Manhattan Center, which I thought was really, really cool. Beyond that, though, and that was also Raw. SmackDown is like the ugly stepchild, even though it's a lot better of a show. They don't really go all out for SmackDown. I was actually very appreciative that they brought in as many stars as they did. From Taker, whose appearance was pointless, but whatever. I'll talk about that in my SmackDown review. Taker, Edge, Batista was there, Evolution. Um, there was a lot of big stars on the show. They had Jerry Lawler, Booker T, Teddy Long, Vicky Guerrero, John Laurinaitis. The names go on and on and on. I really enjoyed the show. I'll talk more about it in my SmackDown review, as I said. But um, I feel like people kind of get their hopes up a little too high sometimes when it comes to stuff that... Not that it's not realistic, because they really could have done that if they wanted to. I'm pretty sure they have that fist somewhere in their warehouse. I remember watching a video on WWE's YouTube channel that said that they had the fist somewhere in their like warehouse of old items. So if they really, really wanted to, they could have incorporated that in the set. I don't know how that would work with all the HD stuff they do now, but they would find a way. Clearly, they didn't. They didn't really care. It was a standard set. But on the whole, that's purely nitpicking. On the whole, I really enjoyed SmackDown 1000. And... Impact Bound for Glory from Sunday, which I thought was another really strong show in the whole. I thought it was another Impact pay-per-view, a lot like Slammiversary over the summer, where they did a great job of putting forth an excellent effort. The wrestling was very good. Not everything was amazing, mind you, but it overall was a very good effort from the company that has been really turning its, uh, you know, turning around for the better in since the start of 2018 with Scott Demore and Don Callis at the helm. I thought the Slammiversary pay-per-view was better on the whole. But Bound for Glory was still very good, um, and I'll be talking about that momentarily, as well as Raw for Monday, like I said, SmackDown 1000, and uh, more build for Crown Jewel, and the whole controversy surrounding Crown Jewel. Is it happening? Is it not happening? I'll talk more about that in my SmackDown review. I probably should open with it, but it kind of ties into The Undertaker appearance, because he did mention Crown Jewel, and the reaction to him mentioning Crown Jewel was, woof, it was not pretty. So I'll talk more about that in my SmackDown review a little later on. Um, but I did want to mention this, though, before we get started. Something I did read on social media before SmackDown on, on Tuesday. Actually, before I even get to that, 
I should mention this, WrestleRant Radio, available on iTunes. Last week we celebrated five years of the show. You can check out every episode ever of WrestleRant Radio, not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Search up the show simply by typing in WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episodes on Thursdays, every new episode that's uploaded on Thursdays, usually around midnight, if not the afternoon. You also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Steal of a deal, obviously completely free. Subscribe today. Like I said, easier than ever at this point to check out WrestleRant Radio. But as I was saying before the cheap plug there for WrestleRant Radio, I was reading on social media before SmackDown on Tuesday, and I had come across a little bit of a news item, which a lot of people started talking about and were very upset about for the most part. I can't speak for everyone. Not everyone is in full favor of the brand split. There was a report from Ringside News, which I've gone off on before. The website is just not credible at all. I went on the website today. So I wanted to make sure, obviously they didn't come up with the news. I, you know, sometimes they do. Sometimes they come up with their own news. Most of the time, they kind of rip news off from other websites or podcasts or whatever. In this case, the news came from the No Holds Barred, the Barn Burner podcast, whatever it is. I've been seeing that in a lot in the news recently from like some guy named Joe Pesh. Joe Peshier, that's, that's an actor. I don't know who the hell this guy is. Um, but yeah, I don't know what credibility this guy has. They've had some rumors right in the past. I'm not going to discredit the rumors at all. There must be some truth to the rumors that they're being reported in the first place. But before I even get to that ringside news, um, what I wanted to say real quick was that I went to the website real quick today to check the source of this story to make sure that they didn't come up with this shit themselves. Because sometimes people read a headline without really looking into who said it, whether it be like if it's a Dave Meltzer, I would take that with a grain of salt, as with this guy, Joel Pesci, um, whatever his name is, the Barn Burner podcast guy, uh, No Holds Barred podcast guy. If it's ringside news, it's usually fake news. Um, whether you like the term or not, whether you like Donald Trump or not, it is the definition of fake news. Um, and I wanted to make sure, like, have they gotten better in recent years? I have not read ringside news in years. So I went to the website, and I saw a story that said, Raw Superstar changes their name again. And I said, huh, that's interesting. I wonder who this could be. And it said, Apollo Cruz's name has changed again. And I'm like, oh. They changed its name, what, for uh, for a third time? Because if you can remember, back earlier this year, there was a report that said, not even a report, they, they changed it. Apollo Cruz's name was cut short from Apollo Cruz to just Apollo, which is not incredibly out of the ordinary, just because they've done that before. People like Alexander Rusev, Biggie Langston, Antonio Cesaro, Adrian Neville. Apparently, they don't like A names, um, if those examples were any indication. But anyway, um, I'm like, okay, that's a little weird, probably not exactly necessary, but apparently there was a school shooting earlier this year. It might have been the one in Florida, I might be mistaken, where the kid's name was like something Cruz. I think Rollins Cruz, I don't know, something weird, something Cruz. So Vince McMahon saw that, he axed the name, and it just became Apollo. And it wasn't long after that they were like, okay, this is stupid. And in typical Vince fashion, he changed his mind and gave him back the name of Cruz, the last name of Cruz. So he has his surname back. He is Apollo Crews. So once I saw that headline from Ringside News, I'm thinking, okay, um, is he back to being Apollo? Like, does he have a new name or something? Nope. It just said that they changed his name from Apollo to Apollo Crews again. Even though that has been the case now for at least six months, if not longer. So these people are a little late to the party on that, so I would not exactly take everything you read on Ringside News to heart. 
take it with a grain of salt, or just don't take it at all. Don't even read the fucking website. But going back to what I was originally saying, there's been a report this week from, again, this guy named Joe Pesci or Joe Pesci, whatever the hell his name is, from the Barn Burner No Holes Barred podcast saying that when SmackDown joins Fox, and I feared that I would read this at, at some point, I feared that I would read this eventually, there has been some speculation, there has been some talk, that the brand split might be coming to an end again in order for the rosters to be merged, which honestly does make a little sense in terms of where they would be coming from and doing that. And I feared that would be the case as soon as I heard the Fox thing because Fox is not under the USA NBC umbrella. It makes sense for them to bring back the brand split when they're both on USA. Like, they brought back the brand split right after SmackDown joined USA. And ever noticed that? They were on USA for a while. Um, they, they only joined USA, I think, at the beginning of 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, I think they went to Thursdays at the beginning of 2016. I don't really remember the timeline. I think they went to Thursdays in 2015, but they were still on Sci-Fi. But they joined USA in early 2016. So that's what that was. And as soon as that became the possibility, it's like, okay, they're on the same network. Why not do a brand split? And they've done the brand split before with Raw and SmackDown being on different networks. So they've done it before. They can do it again. I don't see what the big problem is. I think where they're coming from, where they could be, you know, where this could be a problem, is that Fox paid an obscene amount of money for SmackDown. Now, SmackDown's a great show, don't get me wrong. The amount of money that NBC and Fox paid for these two shows, Raw and SmackDown respectively, is ridiculous, considering how bad the shows have been, or at least not as good as they used to be from years ago, specifically in Raw's case. But they want the shows, WWE made their money, they don't give a shit. But Fox may want all the star power. They don't want just half the roster. Why would they be paying that much money for half a roster? They might not get the concept of a brand split. So quite honestly, it would not surprise me that in one year's time, they would be moving from USA to Fox and ending the brand split, which I think is absolutely for the worse. I could go on forever and ever and ever about this. And maybe it's just because part of me is nostalgic. I grew up on the brand split, or at least the part that sucked anyway. The brand split really fell off a cliff as soon as I started watching. Yet, for some reason, I like a brand split. You would think it'd be the other way around, where I'm like, okay, the years that I started watching for, starting in 2008, the brand split sucked. People moved from Raw to SmackDown all the time. Now, I say that fucking days removed from Tamina, a SmackDown superstar showing up on Raw for no real reason. Big Show, a Raw superstar showing up on SmackDown for no real fucking reason. This has happened many times now since the incarnation of the second brand split, the reincarnation of the second brand split a few years ago. This is not the first time that something like this has happened. That being said, um, you would think that I would have soured on the idea just because it really wasn't done right the first time. And let's face it, from like 08 to 2011, the brand split was a joke. People showed up on Raw and SmackDown anyway. We had the Super Show. It was fucking terrible. It was awful. And SmackDown fell off a cliff after 2008. It was pretty good in 2011 at the very tail end of uh, the brand split. But even by that point when we had feuds like Randy Orton and Christian and stuff like that and Edge's world champion, they were showing up on fucking Raw anyway. And I know obviously like we had some Raw superstars on SmackDown this week, but it was a special occasion. With SmackDown 1000, it's a little different. I will excuse that. But Tamina showing up on Raw when very clearly she was a SmackDown superstar the last time that we saw her back in January is inexcusable. But back to what I was saying before about the brand split ending. I think it's absolutely for the worse. See what you will about the company. 
Say what you will about Raw and SmackDown and the fact that it's not exciting anymore. SmackDown I don't necessarily agree with just because I think the show has been a lot better in recent months than it was when Jinder was champion a year ago. Good God, SmackDown was unbearable to watch. Raw was the better show for a while, which was shocking. Raw is easily, undoubtedly, the worst show of the two currently. Despite what you want to say about those two shows and the creative direction of each show, whatever, we have a deeper roster than ever before. Now, I know they had a very deep roster back in the Attitude Era, and that was pre-brand split, but a lot of those guys, I, I don't know. It was a different time, a totally different time where you can get away with something like that. I'm not saying that we have more stars now than we did back then. I think we have a better wrestling roster now than we did back then. But there is so much fucking talent between Raw and SmackDown. There's still guys now that aren't even on TV. There's people. Apollo Crews showed up on Raw this week. I honestly cannot blame the people over at Ringside News for not knowing they changed his name back to uh, Apollo Crews as opposed to just Apollo because the guy's never on fucking TV. The guy is never on television. So how the hell will they know that? The guy has not been on Raw in months. People probably forgot that he was even employed. Mike Kanellis, same exact thing. Guy has not been on TV in no joke close to a year. Aside from the WrestleMania Battle Royal, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which even in and of itself was on the kickoff show, he has not been on SmackDown in a fucking year. And now he's on 205 Live. He's still not on TV, technically. People probably thought he was fired. That's how deep of a roster right now, where people that we have right now, where guys like Apollo Crews and Mike Kanellis and, you know, Ty Dillinger, there's guys that are being overlooked. And there's nothing being done with them. It It's crazy. So why would bringing back uh, uh, just one single roster, how would that solve anything? How would that solve anything? What, are we going to get more fucking Shield versus Roman Reigns or more Shield versus Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre matches on Raw and SmackDown? Because that was the case for a long time with WWE. That's why SmackDown was such a missable show for a long time, from like 2012 to 2014, 2015, because they did that shit constantly. Remember when Roman Reigns feuded with the League of Nations a few years ago? We would legit have, like, Roman Reigns versus Wade Barrett on one show, Roman Reigns versus Alberto Del Rio the next show, Roman Reigns versus Sheamus on the next show, like, between Raw and SmackDown. Monday, Raw, and, uh, it would be Roman and Sheamus. SmackDown that Thursday, it would be Roman and Del Rio. Raw that Monday, four days later, it would be Roman and Rusev. That Thursday and SmackDown, it would be a handicap match, and somehow Roman won every single fucking time. That's besides the point. I'm just saying that if you do that, you will get these same people in these same positions on both shows. Say what you will about the brand split and Raw being in a terrible spot. Raw would be no better with the brand split being gone. It really wouldn't. I think, if anything, it forces them to push people they would not ordinarily push. Do you think AJ Styles would be WWE champion for a year if they only had one roster? Give me a fucking break. The guy would not even sniff the main event scene if there was one roster. Maybe AJ, Samoa Joe never would absolutely never would. There's people now that aren't even in the main event scene because we have Roman and Brock as champion and they never really defend the thing. Braun Strowman, eh, he might be in the main event scene. Daniel Bryan, give me a break. The guy'd be going for the United States or Intercontinental Championships, which is fine, but he deserves to be in the main event scene as he is right now. Miz would never even sniff the World Championship again if there was only one roster. There's a lot of people that would not be getting... The opportunities they are now without the brand split. And yeah, there's cons to it. Yeah, sometimes we see the same matches, usually on Raw. Fucking Bobby Roode and Chad Gable versus The Ascension. Do you think it would be any different if we didn't have a brand split? Newsflash, it wouldn't be. Yeah, we'd get fresh matches for a week or two. You know, between the Raw and SmackDown guys. But then they're just going to push who they want to push. It doesn't matter who you are. 
if we have one roster, they're still going to push Roman Reigns. They're just really aggressively pushing AJ now because he has the show all to himself. He's basically in the edge spot. Without the brand split 10 years ago, Edge would have never won 11 world championships. Are you kidding me? Maybe a few. Not 11. I mean, I'm sure the guy would still be in the Hall of Fame. But the guy would have never, ever come that close to superstardom if it wasn't for SmackDown having its own identity and being its own show. Same can be said for John Cena getting a shot back in the day. I'm sure they saw something in, it, in, in him anyway. But, you know, a lot of people benefited from SmackDown being its own show. Rey Mysterio. You think if he would be you think he would be pushed on Raw if they had one show back in the day, back in 0203? Give me a break. He'd be jobbed out to fucking Kevin Nash. Like it was WCW Nitro all over again. He'd be losing to Triple H every week on Raw. You think Eddie Guerrero would have become world champion if SmackDown was not its own show? Probably not. Chris Benoit, same thing. I know, you know, he was on Raw at the time when he won the world championship, but it wasn't, you know, for long. But point of the matter is is that I think the brand split is absolutely for the better. Especially if they're going to keep SmackDown. You know what? If you want one show with one roster, then get the get the fuck rid of SmackDown. Get rid of SmackDown. I don't like seeing people on more than one show. Yeah, it's different with like guys like Leo Rush and Drake Maverick and whatever. Because, you know, they're doing two different things on two different shows. On Raw, they're managers. On SmackDown, or on 205 Live, rather... Drake Maverick's the GM, DM the GM, and Leo Rush is a wrestler. So they serve two different purposes on two different shows. In that case, and technically they're on the Raw brand, that's what they said years ago. At this point, I'm not exactly sure that's the case. But anyway, um, I don't like seeing the Raw wrestlers on SmackDown constantly. I know you kind of get it in the build-up to Survivor Series when they do the brand supremacy storyline. That's fine. Even that I don't really care about. I hope they don't do that shit again this year. I really do not care about Raw versus SmackDown. Who cares? Has it ever really mattered? No, it hasn't. SmackDown's the better show. Just end it and move on. Anyway, um, I don't even know what I was trying to say. But, yeah, I just think the brand split would be better off sticking around. And, again, has its problems. They don't really do the brand split as well as they should. But when it comes to cases like that, I think there's a lot of people that would be way worse off than they are currently. Um, I don't like seeing the same guys on two different shows. I don't want to see Roman Reigns in the main event of Raw and SmackDown every week. That's the benefit of SmackDown. If you don't like what's going on on Raw, SmackDown is a great alternative. And, yeah, in a lot of extents, does it feel like the same show? Yeah, sure, because it's WWE. It's all the, under the same umbrella. They're running the same arenas most of the time. But, um, you know, they have the commentary table in a different spot. They have a different set. SmackDown and Raw have two different sets. Different theme songs, a different feel. Two hours compared to three hours. It is a very different show. SmackDown is compared to Raw. And I think merging the two rosters would be a ginormous, massive mistake for the entire roster and for the weekly programming. Because if you expect the shows to be any better than they were during the brand split, then you're just wasting your time. Because I think at this point, Raw and SmackDown having their own identities, at least in SmackDown's case, it can benefit the overall company. Because Raw may not be any better you know, currently now than it was two, three years ago. Raw may be worse now than it has ever been. But at the same time, SmackDown has a chance to shine. SmackDown is the show to watch right now. And that would not be the case if we only had one roster. So I'm really, really hoping this is all just hearsay. It's all speculation, which, again, makes sense. I understand it. I understand why they would get rid of the brand split. Just because of the Fox thing and they want one roster. They want all their stars on one show. I get that. I actually would not mind if they put more stars on SmackDown come Fox next year, which they already do anyway. 
Like, I could see them moving Rollins maybe to SmackDown or Dean Ambrose. Maybe Roman, I doubt it. He's like the John Cena of Raw at this point, the, what John Cena used to be. I mean, again, you can have more stars on SmackDown. I like the roster the way it is right now. I would not mind if they put more star power on SmackDown just to load it up for Fox. They've done that before when they moved to Sci-Fi and, you know, the other, other networks and stuff like that and My Network TV 9. If they do that, fine. But I think getting rid of the brand split would easily be the worst possible thing they can do. So fingers crossed that does not become a reality and is solely a rumor and nothing more. On the subject of news, another interesting item from the past week that concerned me even more than the idea of the brand split going away was this rumor, which, again, I think this is a fitting place to talk about it because I'm about to talk about Bound for Glory, which, again, overall was a good show. Impact has done a lot to kind of wipe away any stench, the TNA stench that was stuck on the company for a long, long time um, until they kind of went back to being Impact only, and then GFW, which was a fucking mess about a year ago. And But really, since the start of 2018, they've gotten the shit together and put together a, a, just a string of really good shows. The weekly show is good, and the pay-per-views. Redemption was solid. Slammiversary was great. Bound for Glory, another very good show. I fear with Impact, though. I fear that even with the right people in charge, that being Don Callis and Scott Demore, that they will still take a few steps forward, but 10 steps back. And that was the first thing I thought when I read this item from, I think the original report came from SE Scoops. And then it was rebutted by another website soon after, saying that it's not true. That Alberto El Patron might be on his way back into Impact because officials feel, reportedly, that the name value, the star power that he brings to Impact outweighs the risks that he would bring to the table. The same risks that cost him many months of his Impact tenure. Now, he was only in Impact for like about a year. He first joined in March of 2017. He won the Impact World Championship a few short months later. Immediately, almost immediately vacated the championship because of some embarrassing situation that occurred at an airport, which... No matter how he spins it or how Paige spins it, which in retrospect, you'd probably admit now that it was an entirely awful situation. It was it was not good to have your world champion involved in something that scandalous. It, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Regardless of what was true or not, uh, what was true about it or not, it was a bad situation for their world champion to be in. It put it painted Impact in a bad light. It's like okay, they're putting their world champion on like a woman abuser here. If he's actually abusing Paige, whether he did or didn't was never confirmed. I'm sure Paige, even if he did do that, I'm sure he would never, she would never say that. She's not going to sink as low as he did, which he was also in the news recently for having taken shot shots of Paige in an Instagram comment of all things. He had taken a picture with his, like, his new wife or his new girlfriend, whatever. Apparently he's happier now. That's awesome. But um, he had taken shots at her in the respect that he was saying that she belonged in a loony bin, you know, she was crazy, she had to go to a mental hospital, which is pretty fucked up to mention in a public forum, let alone at all, in an interview, on social media, that's pretty fucked up. And he said that, he might have deleted it, I'm not sure, I don't think he did, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the type of guy that Impact would be doing business with if they brought him back. I don't care what... How good of a wrestler he is, how much name value he brings to the table. They have enough name value. Austin Aries has done more for Impact than Del Rio, El Patron, whatever you want to call him, ever could. Aries has been there before multiple times. He's held the World Championship multiple times. He's held the tag titles, the Grand Championship, 
the X Division Championship multiple times. He's had great matches this year with the likes of Johnny Impact, Moose, uh, Eddie Edwards, Pentagon Jr. The list goes on and on and on. Aries has really brought the best out of all his, out of all of his opponents. Whereas Del Rio, I mean, again, the guy's a good worker, sure, but there's a lot of good fucking workers in wrestling right now. There is in WWE, and there is an Impact. Neither company needs him. I've gone off on this before, that bringing back this just human trash can would be so bad for Impact, I cannot stress enough how dumb of a decision that would be. Especially by this point, when Impact is finally building momentum. They're finally building momentum. They're convincing people it's okay to work for us now. We don't have a stench around us and that we will build around you. We will have, you know, there really has not been a lot of people they've brought in that they haven't done much with. There's some people they brought in to do a quick one shot and then they let them go. And that's cool. But I think it's cool that they're actually signing talent and doing things with them long term, including LAX, Austin Aries, Johnny Impact, Eddie Edwards, Moose, you know, Rich Swan even, who has been a great asset to them, Matt Seidel. They have a great core, a great core group of guys. Pentagon Jr., Phoenix, um, Sammy Callahan, Brian Cage. All those guys have been awesome for Impact since the start of the year. So why ruin that by bringing back a guy that has no purpose, serves no serves no purpose, has no worth to your company? Oh, he's a former WWE champion. Like, who gives a shit? Johnny Impact. John Morrison was in WWE for years. He's your current Impact World Champion. That's fine. The guy's very good. He's been awesome in Lucha Underground, and he's great in Impact, too. Why Why ruin that? Why, why ruin that by bringing in El Patron when it's not necessary? Build around your current talent. Build around the people you have. Bring in people that could have some buzz. People like a Jordan Grace, who is that all in. I really, I really was not all that familiar with her. I've seen her on Twitter a few times. People like retweeting her and stuff. I've never really seen a match of hers before I saw it all in. But she's good enough where I'm happy that they signed her. Impact apparently reportedly signed her to a uh, two-year deal. And that's awesome. So I'm looking forward to her being a part of the roster. Put whatever money they have left into people like that. Not, Albert, not Alberto Albertron, who you're paying way too much money to, to do nothing, really. What, to get himself in trouble and to sit on the sidelines for a few months? Give me a break. The guy serves no purpose on the roster whatsoever. He is a human headache. He's like that, just the, the human version of a canker sore that will just not go away in wrestling. He's like, oh, I want to end my career in WWE. Impact was never a good fit for me. Well, you were quick to, pat, you were, you were quick to uh, cash the paycheck, my friend. When no one else wanted you, when no one else wanted to touch you with a 10-foot pole, yeah, he was a hot commodity three years ago when he left WWE, four years ago, and he joined Lucha, he joined Ring of Honor, and it was great. Del Rio was doing great. And then he made the dumb decision, both on his part and WWE's part, to come back to WWE. To do what? Beat John Cena for the US Championship and then do nothing? Get beat by Roman Reigns every week after that? To lose to fucking Zack Ryder? Like, it was a complete waste of a run for him. Yeah, he made some cash, I'm sure. He made some coin. But beyond that, it was a complete waste of one year and a waste of money they could be paying someone else. And the same can be said for Impact. I was pissed when they brought him in the first time. I was happy when they let him go. They did the right thing by letting him go when they did. He supposedly no-showed the Lucha Underground Impact show from WrestleMania weekend. He no-showed it because apparently he was drunk or something. He appeared to be fine when he was at WrestleCon earlier that day, according to some people that I know that went there. But he, he no-showed the Impact Lucha Underground show. And it was not a work. They fucking fired him. They suspended him, and then they fired him. 
So the same people that made that decision, which was a great decision on Scott DeMora's part and Don Callis' part and whoever else was involved, why would those same people be so quick to bring him back? I know that was six months ago. Not much had changed. That page story from Instagram about Al Patron should tell you everything about this man. That he should not be... He should not be in anyone's major wrestling promotion. If he wants to wrestle for some company in, in Mexico and make money over there, which he's also he's also left them high and dry for WWE. It seems like he'll leave anyone if he has a better offer somewhere else. Did he not like go to WWE as the AAA like mega champion or something? And he had to like never even officially drop the championship. He just fucking like shipped it back to them. That's a pretty shitty thing to do. So it seems as if this is no different. He would go back to Impact if he was given enough money. He would go back to WWE if given enough money. The guy's not worth the hassle. The guy's not worth it at all. He has not been interesting in years. So why would bringing him in make any sort of a difference for Impact? They are making strides right now. To bring him back would be a colossal mistake. Speaking of Impact, though, they had their Bound for Glory pay-per-view on Sunday. <coughs> Excuse me. Live from Melrose, New York City. Um, I call it New York City, Melrose, whatever. I believe it's the same arena where they taped the MLW tapings. Um, I've never seen the show. I've just heard about it. They seem to have a great thing going right now. And um, apparently they were very pleased with the atmosphere inside the building. And I was too. I thought it came across great. The crowd came across awesome. So I was really happy with the atmosphere of the audience, of the arena. There wasn't a lot of people in there, mind you. There doesn't need to be. As long as the crowd is into it, and it's not a repeat of the impact zone from Florida, where the crowd is fucking sitting on their hands... That that's 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 vintage TNA. I like what we got on Sunday because it showed that the crowd cared, and it was a good show. And they deserve to you know be awake, and they should have been alive for everything that happened on the show because this was a good show. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy with the arena, and um, I thought overall, yeah, like I said, I enjoyed the event. But to kick off the event, we had a tag team match pitting Rich Swan and his mystery partner Willie Mack. The Mack taking on Matt Seidel and Ethan Page. I've not seen too much of Ethan Page, all ego Ethan Page. I think this is what he calls himself on the indies. He previously appeared for Impact. I think it's Joseph Brothers, Joseph Park's brother, Abyss's alter ego's brother, as like Chandler Park when he was feeding with Congo Khan. That did not last long. He got squashed and we never saw him again. But he is back. Um, it could be only for a one-shot. It could be only for a one-off. I'm not sure. Um, but I thought he did well here. Matt said, oh, and Swan, the feud is really based around them. And I thought they had great chemistry here. This was a really, really fun match. Uh, the Mac is awesome. If you've ever seen an episode of Lucha Underground, you know how good this guy is. Um, I've become a big Mac fan since he joined Lucha a few years ago, pretty much since the beginning. And I was really surprised that WWE passed on him when I read that. I mean, not recently, but it was before he went to Lucha. He was signed, sealed, and delivered to go to WWE, and then they just reneged their deal on him for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, I think it was a health thing or a whatever. Their, his physical came back, and they weren't impressed with something they saw, and they backed out. That's not to say he can't go to WWE in the future, but I look at him now, and I'm like, shit, like they really passed on this guy? The Mac is awesome. Um, then again, they also passed on Ricochet a few years ago, too. Remember that old story? I don't really know who he was at that point, but I remember reading it, though, that they passed on Ricochet because, oh, we have, you know, we have, a, we have too much indie talent right now. We don't need more indie talent. I think we have enough. So they passed on Ricochet, and he's like, okay, fuck you. And he also went to Lucha, became the inaugural Lucha Underground Champion um, as Prince Puma, did some work over, you know, in Japan and elsewhere and other stuff, and and he really got over. Ricochet had some amazing matches in those respective promotions. 
enough to uh, gain the attention of WWE, and now he's in NXT. So just because they passed on the act before does not mean that they will never sign the Mac. I'm sure he will be in there eventually, but I thought he had a great showing here. I did read soon after that he had been signed as some sort of a deal and will be used as a regular going forward in Impact, which is great news. Um, Swan and Neck went over here. Good match to kick off the show. The perfect match to kick off the show. Mac did a lot of uh, promotion for the sponsor of the event. Went on for like five minutes about the sponsor, uh, Comda.com or whatever it is. That was a bit over the top. But overall, this was a very solid opening to the show. Then we had Eli Drake's Open Challenge, which... He had challenged any wrestler from New York to come out and take him on. Now, it really could have been anyone. It could have been Tommy Dreamer, who we saw anyway on the show, which I'll talk about momentarily. It could have been Bully Ray, which probably was not all that possible anyway because he's in Ring of Honor right now. I mean, Aries makes Aries makes appearances for both Impact and Ring of Honor, but that's a different situation. I think Bully is fully signed to ROH. Anyway, I was hoping it would not be someone from like the ECW days or someone that you know we always see in TNA or Impact, whatever. Ended up being James Ellsworth. Now, to say my disappointment had set in would be an understatement, just because that was a very underwhelming choice. I mean, good for Ellsworth for getting a nice little paycheck out of it. Apparently, he turned down a deal from Impact for whatever reason. I'm, I really do not need to see him as a regular in the promotion. I don't know why they offered a deal to him in the first place. He was also at SmackDown 1000 this week too, so good for him. The guy's getting bookings still. He's been at a few Northeast wrestling shows from what I've seen. He was at Bound for Glory. He was at SmackDown 1000 two days later, albeit in a backstage segment that made the YouTube channel, but he was still there. They still acknowledged his presence. It's not like, oh, he was at Impact. We don't want him anymore. Like, no, he was at Impact and then WWE two days later. That's the wrestling world we live in nowadays, which is pretty fucking cool. But anyway, um, yeah, James Ellsworth came out. No, he's not from New York. He had said that I dated someone from New York and lived in her basement, that being Carmella, obviously. He, did not, he didn't even specifically say New York. He outright said Staten Island, so he was not subtle about who he was talking about here. Eli Drake just said fuck it and faced him anyway, beat him within minutes. Um, so that was a waste. We had Abyss come out, who I believe is from New York. Um, he got a good pop. He took out Eli Drake, put him through a table. Abyss went into the Hall of Fame over the weekend, which was cool. The Impact Hall of Fame. No one is more deserving than him. He has been the only, I think the only original from TNA's um, early days that has stuck around. Jeremy Borash is gone. James Storm has since moved on. Abyss is the only one left. So he was a very fitting choice to put into the Impact Hall of Fame. And I'm happy he made it in. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him. I was hoping, you know, it could be Chris Jericho. That would have been cool. Um, there was a lot of rumors about that. I did not talk about that here last week on the show because the, the challenge was made on that night's edition of Impact. So it was too late for me to talk about it here on the show. But yeah, um, you know, Jericho would have been cool. I know he has the cruise coming up. I thought he would honestly get desperate and appear for Impact, which... I don't mean that as a bad thing, just because he has said in the past they would never go to Impact. They would never work for any U.S.-based promotion other than WWE. But he didn't have to have a full-on run in Impact. He could have just appeared for one match, showed up, done the match, and then left. And that's all he really needed to do. But that you know, didn't come through. Maybe they, maybe there was an impossibility. I'm not really sure. I actually had read earlier today that Joey Janela was apparently penciled in to face Eli Drake on the show. I think he is from New York. He hosts a lot of New York shows over SummerSlam weekend. Um, but Janelle was recently hurt, so he's not on the show. He wasn't on the show. He will be out for a while, which sucks. But, um, so they put James Ellsworth in that spot instead. And Janela would have been a great get for Impact. And hopefully at some point he will come into Impact because that would be an amazing, um, an amazing opportunity for him to kind of showcase his skills to more than just the indie audience and more than just the people who watch All In. 
But anyway, though, um, this was a good little segment. Tessa Blanchard successfully retaining the Impact Knockouts Championship against Taya Valkyrie. Um, good match here. I really enjoyed this. They weren't given a ton of time. It was only about nine or ten minutes or so. But I thought what we got from these two was was superb. Um, Taya Valkyrie is really good. I've seen her in Impact now for years. Tessa Blanchard's a star. There's really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The woman is a fucking star. I'm honestly very surprised that WWE did not sign her following the first May Young Classic a year ago. And she's outright said in interviews that, um, you know, I wish I was signed. I was disappointed I wasn't. And Blanchard has been appearing in Impact, or rather in NXT now, on and off for years. Dating back to like 2015, 2016. So, it was surprising that they didn't sign her. Um, if only for the Blanchard name. But it's not like she's a second or gen- third generation wrestler it, who hasn't, um, you know, who hasn't really done anything. She's not like the next Lacey Von Eric. Like, she's really, really good. And she's only getting better, too. She's way better now than I've ever seen her before, including the Mae Young Classic or, you know, in her various appearances on NXT. But anyway, though, I'm hoping Blanchard is WWE bound at some point. Um, I know she signed with Impact earlier this year, if only for like a two-year deal. So for not too, too long. But hopefully by that point, she can then journey over to NXT. Maybe her breaking up with her boyfriend, Ricochet, had something to do with it. I'm not sure. Because I remember reading a while ago, about a year ago actually, that Impact was interested in bringing in Ricochet and Tessa Blanchard. Obviously they got Blanchard. But a lot later than I thought they would. Um, they She came in in April. She's been contractually free now for close to, you know, since October. Since October 2017, a lot like Ricochet. So Ricochet said no to that, went to WWE. Um, I'm not sure if Blanchard had turned down an offer from them. I don't think so. I guess she was never offered a deal. Because otherwise, I don't know why she wouldn't have taken it. But hopefully at some point she is ending up in WWE. But yeah, this was a good match. Blanchard is still your Impact Knockouts champion. Um, Eddie Edwards and Moose were scheduled to go one-on-one on the show. A match that never even got started. I mean, it got started, but ended in all of two minutes after Killer Cross got involved. Caused the contest to be thrown out. Give Eddie Edwards the disqualification victory. To help even the odds, who better than Tommy Dreamer? Which is not as random as you think. Dreamer, God bless him, still finds his way onto wrestling programming in 2018, 2017. Tommy Dreamer, look at this guy. He has made various appearances for WWE on their television program over the years. He has appeared in Ring of Honor multiple times over the years. He's appeared in Lucha Underground earlier this year. And appeared on Impact TV multiple times this year as well. All while managing his own promotion, House of Hardcore. So if that's not impressive, I don't know what is. So congrats to Tommy. He's a great guy. One of the nicest wrestlers I've ever met um, for landing this spot on the pay-per-view. Not his first Bound for Glory. He's been on Bound for Glory before. Maybe back in 2010, I want to say, when it was Team ECW, EV2, whatever. Versus, um, I think, Fortune, maybe. I think they won. I think EV2 won. Um, he might have been a Bound for Glory the next year. I don't think so, but he's been a Bound for Glory before. And they were in New York. People ate it up. It was no disqualification tag team match. They were into it. You know, it was good. It wasn't anything too, too special, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I would have preferred the Eddie Edwards and Moose one-on-one matchup, but I'm sure we'll get that at some point, and they'll build to that for the next pay-per-view, I think in January. Um, and an OVE rules match, six-man tag team match, an OVE taking on the Lucha Brothers and Brian Cage. Every bit as excellent as I thought it would be. The Lucha Brothers, that being Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix, who I talked at length before here on the show, are absolutely amazing. And I think they could be, you know, they're going to be great assets wherever they go, whether it's an Impact, Lucha Underground, New Japan, 
currently MLW. These guys are amazing superstars. And they had another amazing outing here as well. Brian Cage was also exceptional. That guy's a very, very good performer, especially for a guy of his size. Um, they did not come away with the victory here, which kind of surprised me, but it did make sense. Sammy Callahan pinned Brian Cage, thus setting him up, hopefully, for a future X Division championship match. But from an in-ring standpoint, this match was outstanding. I really thoroughly enjoyed it and had the right team going over in retrospect. Because really, the babyfaces won here. It would not have accomplished anything. But now coming out of this, we have a Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan feud, which has the potential to be really, really good. After that, we had a concrete jungle death match between LAX and the OGs. And what a concrete jungle death match is exactly, which I had no idea about before I had seen this pay-per-view, um, was essentially the ring. They stripped away the canvas and the mat. So it was just the boards. And they were very shaky. They were not really sturdy at all. Um, this was a very dangerous match. Now, I could see why people would have problems with it. I didn't have as big of a problem with it as other people did, just because it's unsafe, it's reckless. I agree, it honestly is. They played it safe, though. They made it work. And with a feud this personal, they had to find a way to definitively, definitively put the rivalry to rest in a way where it's not just in a standard match. Like, they had a street fight, I think, at, what was it, Slammiversary? The match was amazing. That was way better than this. This was still a good match, but and maybe it was more of a spectacle than it was a real wrestling match. So if you came into this expecting like a, a just a Matt Classic between LAX and then Hernandez and Homicide, then you were probably disappointed. But it, it was still a good match. I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, Conan was supposed to be in there with um, Tito Santana, with uh, Tito Tito Santana, Ortiz and Santana, and um, I think those are their name. Tito. I want to say Tito Ortiz. I think that's his name. Isn't it not Tito Ortiz, not Tito Santana? I think it's Ortiz and Santana. I have no idea. Ortiz and Santana, the original LAX, were supposed to be joined by Conan, but Conan got jumped before the match. That led to a three-on-one match with Homicide, Hernandez, and King all taking on LAX at the same time. Um, that almost led to them picking up the victory before Conan came out at the end, distracted the OGs, got in some of his spots, Kept it fairly limited, and the baby faces went over. So I thought this was exactly what it needed to be, and hopefully now we can move on from it. Now to the main event for the Impact World Championship. Austin Aries defending against Johnny Impact in what was an excellent match. And now they really waited until the last minute to add a personal element to this. They did have that great verbal exchange on Impact a few weeks ago, which I thought was tremendous. Impact's promo was good. Austin Aries was just on another level. And Aries has always been a great mic worker. He's always been a tremendous talker. But that was one of the more memorable promos I've heard him cut in some time. So that was great. Um, so it was already personal dating back a few weeks. But they did not get Taya involved until just recently. Until like the weekend of the pay-per-view. Taya being Johnny Impact's legitimate wife in real life. So um, they got her involved. She was at ringside here. Aries brought Killer Cross and Moose to ringside with him. This could have been more of a mess than what it was. I was honestly expecting a lot more shenanigans and bullshit with all the interference, which really is not out of the ordinary for a Bound for Glory main event from Impact, from TNA, typical TNA, LOL TNA. This didn't really have a lot of that at all. This was just a great match, a lot of great near falls and suspense and drama. I loved it. I really, really did. Impact went over clean with the Starship Pain to become the new Impact World Champion. We get a feel-good ending to the Bound for Glory pay-per-view for the first time in a few years. It was good. I enjoyed the show. I thought it was a good way to go off the show. Aries' actions, I should note, did get a lot of people talking. So almost immediately after getting pinned, one, two, three, Austin Aries stands up, no selling the Starship pain, motions to Don Callis, who was on commentary with Josh Matthews up in the balcony in the arena with the crowd. 
motions up to him saying whatever, doing whatever. And then he walks up the ramp, flips off the crowd, and walks out. Now, clearly, this is a work shoot. I highly doubt Aries would go into business for himself and do that type thing. Now, it's been very well known that Aries has attitude issues. That was what reportedly led him to getting fired from WWE, which I don't believe for a second. That's why he had issues with Ring of Honor management management for a long time uh, before going back there just recently was his attitude issues. I think Impact is playing off of that, which I think is really, really smart. After all the buzz that the press conference brawl that he and Impact had the night before Bound for Glory, they're playing off that. They're capitalizing on that. That's really, really smart. And Aries is such an, a tremendous, amazing asshole. Why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you play up that? Why, why would you not play that up? Why would you not use that for your benefit and make the storyline more engaging for when he returns? Now, it won't be as soon as next week. I heard he was not at the most recent set of tapings on the Monday and Tuesday after the pay-per-view. So he might not be in the program for a while. Um, but Aries, I think, is a great asset to that company if he is coming back more unhinged than ever in a Brian Pillman, uh, loose cannon type way. I'm all for it. I had read from the original report, I think from SE Scoops, that um, he might be taking that gimmick to Ring of Honor and other promotions and using it there as well, which I think is awesome. I honestly really do. And it's kind of blurring the lines between reality and storyline, there's heat on areas anyway from the fans for what he said about Taya and what he said about Johnny Impact and what he said about the fans. Why not play into that? Why not use that to your advantage by doing something like this? I'm not saying have him come out every week and say, oh, wrestling's fake. I did not want to lose the world championship, but they made me. I would not go that far. But um, I think it is smart to kind of leave people hanging. Leave them asking, okay, what's actually going on here? Is this real or is it fake? The fact that people are even debating that means that they have him sold. That means it's obviously fake. It's obviously staged. But they're making you think that it's real. And if there's any shred of doubt that it's, that it's you know, storyline, that means they're doing their job. So congrats to Impact for getting some buzz around the show and the ending and Austin Aries coming out of it, which I think is a win-win-win for everyone involved. For the company, for Austin Aries, for the pay-per-view. Everyone wins here. And Johnny Impact, like I said, is your new Impact World Champion. And that went off the show. So I really like Bound for Glory. I don't think it's a musty show by any means. I thought Slammiversary on the whole was a better pay-per-view. But this was still solid. Um, the matches to watch, best match on the show, I would argue, was OVE and the Lucha Brothers versus, or OVE versus the Lucha Brothers and Brian Cage. That, the main event, and probably the opener. But everything else was fine, too. The no-disqualification tag team match was okay. Blanchard and Valkyrie was very good. Drake and Ellsworth was exactly what you would what you would expect it to be. And the Concrete Jungle Death match, while well, a spectacle and kind of silly, well, you know, it, it was fine. I thought it was well-wrestled. It was enjoyable. I thought it was pretty good. And there was also some stuff with, like, Ali and Sue Young backstage, like, Lucha Underground-like shit, and it just it didn't work for me. I didn't hate it, but it did nothing for me at all. But, yeah, check out Impact Bound for Glory when you can. It was uh, well worth the watch. Monday Night Raw from this past week, um, overall, a pretty bad show, if we're being honest here. I'll I'll spend more time talking about SmackDown 1000 before we go off the air here. Raw, quite honestly, there was not a lot to say. There's only one real segment I'm going to focus on in a minute, but I'll go quickly through the results. We had Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre kicking off the show again, and honestly, I put it on mute. I was out for dinner at this point. I try not to miss any of Raw if I don't have to. 
I was out to dinner with my family. It was my brother's birthday. I was ro- I was watching the beginning of Raw on my phone. Honestly, did not even pump up the volume to hear what they had to say. Because it's the same shit every single fucking week with these guys. They come in. They complain about the Shield. The Shield interrupt. And it leads to a match. That's exactly what we got here. A World Cup qualifier between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. It was a good match. I liked it. We've seen it a bunch of times. But it was whatever. I enjoyed it. Rollins went over by countout, protecting McIntyre, getting the IC champion in the cup. Thought it was good. Mission accomplished. Ember Moon and Ijax teamed up to take on Dana Brooke and Tamina. This sucked. I talked about this earlier with the brand split stuff very briefly, but Tamina being back does absolutely nothing for me. Dana Brooke is awful. Tamina's even worse, which may sound impossible, but it really isn't. Considering that Tamina has been here now for... Close to a decade, eight years on the main roster, eight and a half years, and Dana Brooks only been on the main roster now for two and a half years. That's still pretty bad. I don't see Brooke getting much better. She's been she's become more competent in the ring than she has in years past, but she's still not that good. Tamina is just flat out awful, and I could not care less about the Ember Moon Nia Jax tag team. So Tamina's back. They're all in the battle royal, by the way. We're having a a WrestleMania women's battle royal again at Evolution which I guess you're supposed to get a title shot for. Why does the WrestleMania one mean less than this one? Why didn't Naomi get a title shot coming out of WrestleMania when she won that Battle Royal? That didn't make any sense at all. Now you get a title shot, even though it's full of losers? Asuka's in there? I felt so bad for Asuka when I heard that was announced. The women that are involved were actually not that happy about being involved in the match, apparently, recording according to the reactions on Twitter. Peyton Royce was not happy. Lana was not happy. Naomi wasn't happy. Billy Kay wasn't happy. A lot of people, largely on the SmackDown side, but a lot of those women were like, okay. Like, there's so many more matches you can do with those women, but they're just throwing them right in there for no real reason. Tori Wilson's in there. Huzzah! Who cares? I love Tori Wilson. Very attractive even now. I have no real real desire to see her in this random-ass battle royal with women, some women that deserve better, including Ember Moon and specifically Asuka. What a fucking waste. With Tamina, though... She's on Raw all of a sudden now. Why? We have no idea. I honestly don't really care at this point. They have shown no regard for the brand split. That was evident years ago um, when they first brought it back. But even as recent as like two weeks ago when Big Show resurfaced on SmackDown. For what reason? I have no idea. He was a Raw guy a year ago. Why he's on SmackDown now? I don't know. And if we find out that Baron Corbin traded Big Show for Tamina, then we're... And then he's already... He's already the dumbest GM in WWE history. And that was indeed the case. See, I caught there because I find it so disgusting and repulsive that Baron Corbin would even entertain the idea of trading Tamina, or trading Big Show, rather, for Tamina. What an awful GM. Paige got a big pickup. Not just literally, but figuratively, though, in the form of Big Show. To get rid of dead weight on your roster, and you get a former world champion in return, even though he turned heel, so maybe he kind of evens out because Big Show's heel again now, and he turned heel for the fucking millionth time on Tuesday. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Apparently, she's on Raw now just because WWE wants to do a Nia Jax-Tamina feud. As if I could not already care less. Jesus Christ. The Ronda Rousey promo was the one thing on this entire show I would actually recommend you go out of your way to watch. This, I thought, was really good. This got a lot of people upset. Uh, maybe not with the material. The material, too. Especially with the Bella Twins fans. Which I thought was fine. Um, they def- I mean, obviously, Nikki and Brie allowed her to say all of what she said about John Cena and, like... The only door that you're knocking down is to John Cena's bedroom, and then he kicked you out of that very same door right after all this other stuff, which I thought was a great line. Her delivery was a bit shaky. The material was just a lot of word, way too wordy. Ronda is way better as the silent but deadly badass. 
There's no real reason for her to be out there cutting monologues. But I thought this was very good. Got the crowd reacting. I'm not saying you can have, I mean, so to saying bitch, and you can't have them say bitch every segment, but, you know, I thought this was good. It was low-hanging fruit, but it worked. It worked. And the Bella Twins had a good promo, too. So I enjoyed this a lot. I thought it didn't really do anything to make me more excited for Nikki and Ronda at Evolution, mind you, which should have been the whole point. As must-see TV, I thought it was good. As built for Evolution, I still don't care about the match because I don't care about the Bellas, and we all know they're not winning. It would be a joke if Nikki Bella was the one to hand Ronda Rousey her initial defeat in WWE. This was great stuff. Unfortunately, it did not sell me on the match at all. But on the bright side, if we're thinking positively here, it was the only thing I would recommend from Raw to go back and watch. Ziggler and Ambrose had another World Cup qualifier. Good match. Uh, Ziggler won. Still no, no international talent involved in this World Cup. This has got to be an inside joke. I mean, Rey Mysterio qualified on SmackDown, so there legit is no international talent in the match. And don't come to me and say, oh, Rey Mysterio's Latino, he's Mexican. Yeah, maybe, but like the guy was born in San Diego, he's an American. So, at the end of the day, we have all USA talent involved in this cup. The supposed World Cup. It's a US Open, let's fucking face it. Rusev said it best himself on Twitter yesterday. Is it really a World Cup if it only features if it only features American talent? No, it's a U.S. Open. That's exactly what it is. Finn Balor beat Jinder Mahal. Next. Bobby Lashley beat Tyler Breeze. Next. I mean, I actually like Bobby Lashley as a heel and the whole Leo Rush-Lashley, you know, pairing. The whole Leo-Lashley pairing. Leo having his own mic and talking during Bobby's matches is cringeworthy and is channel-changing material. So I hope that ends soon. But beyond that, I like the pairing. Alexa Bliss and Mickey James interrupted Trish Stratus and Lita. It was fine. I really, again, do not care any more about the match than I did before. AOP knocked off El Conquistador in a 2-on-1 handicap match, thinking that it was Kurt Angle. It was not. Angle resurfaced at the top of the stage instead to deliver an Angle slam to Baron Corbin. Natalya took on Ruby Riot and won by DQ. Just a waste of time. Apollo Crews attacked and interrupted and attacked Elias. This was a solid segment. I'm glad Crews is on TV and people remember that he exists and that he's still employed. The guy's actually been having a couple of really good matches at main event recently, which no one watches, of course, but, um, you know, he's been kind of building momentum and, you know, finding his mojo in main event. So hopefully that translates to Raw soon, starting with this Elias feud. Um, in the main event, The Shield took on Braun Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre again. And it was a good match, but been there, done that. So Raw was awful this week. The only thing, like I said, worth watching, really checking out from this show, was the Rousey and the Bella Twins verbal exchange. Then to close out WrestleRant Radio here, SmackDown 1000. I thought overall it was a very entertaining event. I really enjoyed the hell out of the show. Oh, we had Truth TV make its return with the second ever edition, and it certainly wasn't a forgettable one. We had Stephanie McMahon out there, which we hate Stephanie, but she is a former SmackDown GM, so it made sense for her to be out there. Shane McMahon who is the current SmackDown commissioner, and even Corey Graves mentioned, where the hell has he been for the last eight months? And honestly, I'm not complaining because this guy was all over TV for a fucking year straight for the Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn feud, that it's a breath of fresh air, that he's not on SmackDown every single week anymore. He trusts Paige enough, even Tom Phillips said on commentary, he trusts Paige enough to run the week-to-week operations. There's no reason for Shane to be there anymore because Paige has a handle on the situation, which I like a lot. And then Mr. McMahon showed up. They all danced. I thought this was great. People went nuts for Mr. McMahon and his music. It's not often we see him on TV anymore. So overall, I thought this was awesome. Very good start to the show. Helped set the tone for the remainder of the night. 
We had the Usos beat AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan in tag team action after tension was teased between Styles and Bryan. Good match. Could have been way better with more time if they were really allowed to go all out, but this was merely designed to serve as a backdrop for the Styles and Daniel Bryan feud, which is fine. Um, they teased that tension, built up their WWE Championship match for Crown Jewel, so mission accomplished. The Evolution Reunion. I fucking love this. This was the real highlight of the night for me from this show. I was looking forward to it. I'm an Evolution Mark. I know they kind of dominated Raw for a couple years, which could be for the better, could be for the worse. Um, from 02 to 05. Specifically, the Triple H Reign of Terror is really what it was. Um, but I love me some Evolution. They had a great run, reunion run a few years ago, and Batista came back to the company in 2014. Batista was back here for the first time since then. The last time we saw Batista on WWE TV was him quitting and leaving Evolution on my birthday, June 2nd, 2014, the same night Rollins turned on the Shield. So it was a real changing of the guard that night. We've not seen Batista since. He's been very vocal about the company not really not wanting him back and not asking him to come back and just kind of being disrespectful towards Big Dave and all this other dumb shit. So I'm glad they put that shit to the side. He was back on the show in his hometown of Washington, D.C. How could he not be there? Um, but yeah, Batista was back at the longest promo of all four of them. They all said something, and they got a great reaction. Hearing that Evolution is a mystery song, that whole thing, it just gives me goosebumps every single time. But yeah, Batista talked the longest of all four, and he had said, you know, I'm glad to be back. I helped make SmackDown what it was, which is true. And he did it for the fans, and he's glad to be in the ring with those guys. And then he was praising Randy, and he praised Ric Flair, a 16-time world champion. And then he goes to Triple H. He says he's done everything imaginable in this business, but beat me, which was a great line and accurate, too. Unless I'm mistaken, Batiste and Triple H have only had three matches in WWE. At WrestleMania 21, which was won by Batista, Backlash, did I say WrestleMania, oh, yeah, WrestleMania 21, which was won by Batista, Backlash 2005, which was also won by Batista, and that Hell in the Cell match of Vengeance 05, which was also won by Batista, and all three matches were great, I love that feud, and Batista said for years now, the only real person he would come back to face is Triple H, so I'm glad WWE is getting their head out of their ass, and is like, okay, we'll actually entertain the idea of doing a Batista-Triple H match. And I think they are. Otherwise, I don't know why they would have had Batista drop that line if they were not planning on doing that match at some point. Because he just hugged him and that was it. It's not like they brawled or set up a match for next week on SmackDown. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's being set up for WrestleMania season. Um, Batista has said he would be back for a full-on run, not just one more match. I think he has it in him. The guy's older now, obviously, but I think he has it in him to do the house shows and do Raws, wrestle SmackDowns. He doesn't have to be back for one match. If he is, that's fine. Um, but he really, you know, his time away really has done him a world of good. You know, he got a he got a bigger reaction. I mean, I know it was his hometown. But let's be honest. When he returned for the first time a few years ago, the reaction was kind of like, eh. It was great, but it was not by any means what you thought it would be. In his time away, he's become a mega superstar in Hollywood. Through the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, Hotel Artemis, 007, all these other projects. Um, Batista's really killing it right now. He might even join Suicide Squad if he if he leaves the Guardians and leaves Marvel. He could join DC Comics' uh, Suicide Squad if James Gunn signs on to write it. That would be awesome. That being said, though, with Batista, um, I'm, I'm glad he's back. You got a great reaction here. They really were went nuts for the guy when he came out, and also in the ring they were chanting for him. And they reacted big to that Triple H line. So I'm hoping this is not a red herring. We are getting that match at some point. 
It's only October. There's plenty of time to build to it. Then again, they also teased Rock and Triple H on the 15th anniversary of SmackDown for WrestleMania 31, which never came to pass because I think Rock had a movie. And he was at WrestleMania 31 encountering Triple H, so technically they did it did come to fruition, but it wasn't a match. It was a segment with Stephanie, Triple H, Rock, and Ronda Rousey, which was cool. And we ended up getting that match this year at WrestleMania just without the Rock involved. So anyway, um, I would love to see Triple H and Batista. Would the match be amazing? No, it's 13 years later. Uh, 14 years later by WrestleMania 21, by, by WrestleMania 35, uh, between 21 and then 35, that's 14 years, the match would probably not be that good. That being said, though, I imagine that if they had Batista, they had Triple H in the same show, that's a lot of star power. And they could work well together, they could have a very good match. I mean, obviously not for a championship, I think that'd be a waste. But at the same time, Batista comes back for one more run, faces the guy that I think that a lot of people... I don't know if a lot of people want to see him face Triple H, but it's like, who else is he going to face? Brock Lesnar? Like, I doubt it. I don't think he even wants to face Brock Lesnar. He does not want to get dropped on his head like so many other people have. After watching the SummerSlam 2016 main event, why the hell would he want to face Brock Lesnar? But I think Batista Triple H makes sense. They have unfinished business from this show, from when Batista quit, because he quit on Triple H, because Triple H would not give him a world championship shot. They have unfinished business. And he's right, Triple H has never beat him, which would probably result in Triple H beating him and then Batista retiring, but that's fine. Batista is always willing to lose. He just wants to go out on top because his last run, while great, really just kind of soured him on never coming back because the company was way too difficult to deal with. And he is a way better heel. Maybe they could turn him heel if he comes back and people start booing him again, but I don't think he will. I really don't. I think if he was the Batista that we saw here, like the genuine Batista that is happy to be back and love wrestling and also playing off his previous accomplishments of being in movies, I think people will take to him as a babyface in no time like they did here, regardless of whether it's his hometown or not. So that's something to keep your eye on come WrestleMania season. That's a match I personally would want to see. Combine that with Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles, WrestleMania 35 is already shaping up to be a good show. Also on SmackDown 1000, we have The Miz knocking off Rusev to qualify for the World Cup, completing the field. I think it's now Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, um, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Kurt Angle, John Cena, um, that was about it. The Miz, I think. Let me let me count real quick. Who is that? Let, let's say Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, John Cena, and then this past week we also had oh Rey Mysterio was the other one. Rey Mysterio, The Miz, Randy Orton, who I don't think I mentioned. I might have. I don't know. Kurt Angle. Ah, my my mind's hurting. Oh, the other two were Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, which is a good crop of talent, a good core group of talent, but. They're all from America, so how is it really a World Cup? But anyway, the match went all of a minute. It was a waste of time, probably because the Evolution segment ran long, but whatever. Um, Edge brought back the Cutting Edge. Great segment here with Becky Lynch and Charlotte. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought they worked well together. Built up Becky and Charlotte for Evolution. Succeeded in what it set out to do. Always great to see Edge. The bar knocked off the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team titles and what was a good match after Big Show turned heel for the upteenth time to help bar the bar pick up the Tag Team titles. Why? I have no idea. And I got to give a shout out to at Jeremy8911 on the Twitter machine, uh, Jeremy B, as they call him on hashtag AskGSM. He suggested to me a few weeks ago, would I be up for Cassius Ono joining Cesaro on the main roster as part of the bar? That would have been a way better use of this angle than what we saw here. I guess Picture's back in a full-time role of the company on SmackDown. What the freaking do? I think Ono would have been a way better choice, debuting on such a high-profile show with a lot of eyes on it. And then... You know, then joining the bar. I think that'd be a great trio. I mean, I know they're not doing anything with Sanity, but it's better than nothing. 
Um, so yeah, I thought that would have been cool. We didn't get that. We got the big show instead. Whatever. We'll see where it goes. They won't poop on it just yet, but I'm not really all that optimistic about another big show heel turn. Um, you know, color me skeptical, but I'm not all that, you know, optimistic they're going to do this thing right and that it really served much of a purpose other than, oh, we need this show to have a big moment. Let's turn big show heel, like, for the thousandth time. What a, what a pun. Turn him out the year for the thousandth time. Ha, ha, ha. He'll probably be back to being a baby face by Saturday. Then in the main event, Rey Mysterio knocked off Shinsuke Nakamura to qualify for the World Cup. Very good match. Um, hopefully we get a full-fledged feud coming out of this. I enjoy the chemistry they had here. Nakamura has never met less, by the way. He really has not. His main roster run is at its highs. It's at its lows. He's won the U.S. Championship, contended for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, won the Royal Rumble. The guy right now, though, has never meant less. It's sad. The only two real people that he's beaten in recent months are Ty Dillinger and R-Truth. And that's it. What other matches has this guy won? Any important matches? I don't think so. I cannot remember a single important match this guy has won. He beat Jeff Hardy at SummerSlam. That was two and a half months ago. Two months ago. Why is he... I don't know. It just Nakamura feels like just another guy on the show, despite being United States champion. What a waste of the championship, and what a waste of Nakamura. But hopefully we see more of these guys working together beyond Crown Jewel. And then The Undertaker showed up, too. He made an appearance on the show to, uh, you know, quickly discuss Triple H in their match at Crown Jewel, which obviously got a big negative reaction out of the audience, which I can't say I was shocked by. And as they should be. I mean, the show's still happening despite all the controversy going on in Saudi Arabia right now. is an absolute joke. Now, the company, it's not going to be as easy as them saying no and then not going. They obviously have a lot of contractual things they have to abide by or work into, whatever. But the whole bullshit excuse that they're monitoring the situation is such nonsense. That's such PR nonsense. Because after everything that's gone down recently in Saudi Arabia with the journalist stuff and everything else, for them to go there, Anyway, and I know Randy Orton has said, oh, you know, it's be, it'd be better if we just, you know, they're not going to change if we're not, if we're, us going will not change anything. Us going will help implement change. How? How will that implement change? Showing a video package talking about how the women are, are, are driving over in Saudi Arabia or what a progressive country, like, is not going to do anything. If anything, it's going to feed into their bullshit agenda and make it even worse and make WWE look like they're doing business with a bunch of terrible people. So this really does not, it's not really a win-win situation for anyone that they stay in this deal. It's really a lose-lose-lose all around. And they don't have much time to make a decision because Crown Jewel is coming up in a few weeks. Um, I think maybe like two weeks from, from tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think, I think, I don't know. It's coming up pretty quickly. And on the 19th, yeah, it's two weeks from tomorrow from the 19th. It's on uh, the 2nd of, of the Friday, November 2nd. Maybe they move it to a different location. I know there were rumblings about that on Sunday. I have no clue. But at this point in time, I'm just not optimistic. I'm really not that they're going to move it. And it's a shame because any mention of the show, people have booed. As they should. Because the, the fact that they're even going over to Saudi Arabia is just a terrible, terrible idea. Especially if people aren't comfortable with going over there. That's like borderline abuse of your employees. So I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I honestly have no clue. I just think it's absolute bullshit they're still doing business with this awful country. At least the people in charge anyway. No offense against anyone that lives in Saudi Arabia, but the situation surrounding that country right now is pretty bad. At least with the prince and the government and everything else, the, the entire shitstorm that's surrounding it at the moment. So WWE is really not going to do themselves any favors by you know, getting in bed with these people business-wise um, come crown jewels. So there's still time to change plans, move the event elsewhere. I don't think that's happening. We'll see. 
but I'm currently not a fan of what they're doing and the fact that they're just going along with it. Orton and JBL said that they're not going to change anything if they're not there, which I completely disagree with. If anything, it's going to have the opposite effect. It's going to have a worse effect on WWE. It's not going to help the country. They showed a, a video package with Sasha Banks in it with her clothes on. Good God. You know, call the police when they were doing a video package for one of the promos for the, one of the pay-per-views or something um, earlier this year during the Greatest Royal Rumble. And the Saudi Arabia had to issue, and they, the country, the, the government had to issue an apology to the fans, like, we didn't mean to show that. Like, oh, they, you would think they had a fucking nip slip or something. It was like Sasha Banks singing in a recording booth. Oh my God, how vile. These people. How WWE dare do that? Like, give me a break. So, we'll see where they go with this. I'm not optimistic anything's going to change. But we'll we'll see in due time. As for the Undertaker appearance, it was a complete waste. It really was. Like I like the guy being on the show because he played a big part in making a smack than what it is today. If he was going to be there for 30 seconds of a promo, maybe just because they had his you know, time cut, they should have just had him, the lights go off and have him show up. Why do the grand entrance if you only had two minutes left of the show before you had to go off the air? What a waste of time. But overall, I really enjoyed SmackDown 1000. So uh, two thumbs up for that show. And that's it for this week's edition of WrestleRant Radio. Thank you guys for checking out the show. I appreciate it going a bit over time with today's edition, but a lot to talk about from Bound for Glory to Raw to SmackDown to everything else going on in the world of wrestling right now. Um, hopefully next week was, is not any less newsworthy. Next week we are doing the predictions for Evolution as well as Crown Jewel. Eh? Actually, Crown Jewel predictions can wait until the following week because that's going to be on a Friday. So, next week is Evolution Prediction. Stay tuned for that. Looking forward to that. I will be at a house show on Saturday in Hartford. That'll be awesome. Uh, I think it has the Raw and SmackDown talent. So, I think Ronda Rousey's going to be there. Rey Mysterio's first house show back in like four years. Something crazy like that. So, it's going to be great Going to be great to be in attendance for that. Check out that show. Might have more thoughts on that come WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. But speaking of which, you guys can check out WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on iTunes. Not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode as they're uploaded on Thursdays, but all, all the also all the archived episodes dating back five years to October of 2013. So it's a steal of a deal, of course, completely free. Check out my awful, awful, awful review of an awful pay-per-view in Battleground 2013 on the inaugural episode of WrestleRant Radio from... Um, from October of 2013, from five years ago. You can check out that episode and all the other entertaining editions we've had over the past five years. And the show has continued to produce content because of you guys and all the people that have joined me, from co-host to guests to the listeners, all you guys. I appreciate your support greatly, so thank you so much. That being said, have a great rest of your week. We'll be back here next Thursday with another all-new edition of WrestleRant Radio. Until then, I'm Graham Giusa Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Do a step, do a step, do a step, do a